Again, good morning. I'm happy to see you. Um, my name is Jean, one of the leaders here in Every Nation Bahrain. Uh, I, uh, I'm very, very glad to, uh, to stand in front of you. And I really appreciate, uh, on behalf of the leadership team, we appreciate also your presence. And I also thank the opportunity, I thank uh, the leadership team for giving me this opportunity to uh, share the word of God to you. By the way, um, this is my, uh, my family. And can I, can we see? And this is my family. And <laughs> that's my uh, lovely wife, Rose. And I hope she's not here. Uh, she's in the kids' church. And she's our wonderful mother to our very, very cute, super adorable daughter, River. So we're very thankful for God for uh, keeping us together, for sustaining us. You know, we've been through a lot. Uh, but thank God, uh, because of his presence, because of his provision, we're still here, uh, we're thriving, and uh, God is using us to bless also this nation. All right. Um, how many of you are excited for today? Yes. You're excited, I'm nervous, let's do this. <laughs> let's do this. All right, so we are now actually in the second to the last week of our uh, series entitled Church Trademark. All right, how many of you have been here for the past uh, four weeks or five weeks? Uh, you've listened to our Church Trademark. By the way, we are, um, we are in Spotify and also in Google Podcast. If you missed our preaching, you can check out those uh, previous messages. And we haven't uh, actually uploaded to Apple Podcast because, you know, we're Google users here. <laughs> now, anyway, so for, the, for four weeks, all right, for four weeks, we have been looking at the marks of the church, all right? We've been looking at uh, the marks of the church, namely uh, the passion for God through doctrine, community, prayer, and generosity, we also looked at in uh, week one, the Christ-centered, spirit-empowered service. In week two, we, uh, we learned about the unity by the grace of God. And uh, last week, we, we learned there's, uh, that the faith which is anchored in the sovereignty of God. Right, so those are the weeks. We're now in our fifth week, and next week, our last uh, installment. So before we look at this fifth trademark, which is the message, uh, here's a very important point that I don't want you to miss. Right? These trademarks of, uh, these are trademarks of the Lord Jesus himself. All right, this Trademarks are the Lord Jesus' trademarks. He is the original. Right? We're not the original. The church is not the original. You can see these trademarks in the gospel. Of course, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. His commitment to the word. His commitment to prayer. His grace and generosity towards his people. His intimate relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit, as well as his, I mean, of course, his reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can see 
that uh, Jesus is the original. We're just copying his trademarks. Right? So as Christ ambassadors, and as Christ ambassadors, the church, we, the body of believers, we embody these traits. Right? Do you agree? Do we, we embody these traits. So I don't want you to miss this. The trademarks of the Lord Jesus are also the trademarks of His church. Alright? The trademarks of the Lord Jesus are also the trademarks of His church. So today, we're going to look at possibly the most important distinctive of the church, which is its message. That's possibly, perhaps, if not the most important, that's uh, what we're going to talk about. It's the message. So we're going to ask two questions, right? Two questions. And this will be our guide all throughout this, uh, this preaching. So number one, what is the message of the church? Amen. What is the message of the church? What is the message of the Christian faith? If you're asked by your workmate, your colleague... All right. When someone asks you, how is Christianity different from other world religions, how are you going to answer that? Right? How are you going to answer that? How is, how is it different from Islam? How is it different from Hinduism? How is it different from Buddhism? How is it different from any ism? All right? How does one become a Christian? So what's the message of the church? And two, second question is, how important is this message to the church and to the rest of the world? Right? So we're going to look at those uh, two things. So first we're going to look at the message and then what are the implications of this message to his church and to the rest of the world? Right? So what are the implications? Right? So how many of you are driving? How many of you are driving? And you know this person? No, not this one. <laughs> That's the Asian Dominic Toretto. <laughs> this guy. And how many of you are driving? Yeah. Now imagine, imagine you are, uh, you are this driver. All right. You were taught in driving school that the proper way and the safe way to drive is what? Your eyes on the road and your hands on the wheel. Right? Eyes on the road. Eyes on the road and hands on the steering wheel. Amen ba? Oh, I'm looking at you drivers, huh? I hope you're not driving the drivers crazy. Uh, so now imagine. Right? Now imagine at the course of your driving life, right? Your friend, like this guy, one of your friends. <laughs> One of your friends told you that you shouldn't be driving like that. Alright? You shouldn't be driving like that. Instead, you should be driving like this. Your eyes staring at the eyes of the other driver. Alright? Your right hand holding no? your right hand holding a, your smartphone. Or probably uh, you're just scrolling through Instagram or you know TikTok. And your other hand holding a shawarma <laughs> or a cup of coffee. Is that the right way to go? No. Definitely not. Right? Definitely not. Because first, that's what not that's what uh, that's not what the driving school taught you. 
That's the first reason why this is not right. right? Second, your friend is not a driver, driving teacher. <laughs> right? And third, and this is the most important, you're putting yourself and others on the road in danger. Right? Do you agree? Now, in the early years of the church, all right, in the early years of the church, a similar situation happened. Not driving them crazy, but really, it's, it was so urgent and so important not to overlook that it prompted the leaders, right? The leaders, the apostles, the elders, to gather to consider a matter. Consider a matter. So, this matter concerns the uh, purity and the clarity of the Christian message, right? So, can I ask everyone to please stand? We're gonna read uh, in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, verses 22-32. But our, uh, the, the preaching will be for the whole chapter, right? So I still have like, Two days <laughs> to preach on this. Anyway, so just follow along. Verse 22, Acts chapter 15. I'll be reading in ESV. It says here, Then it seemed good to the apostles and elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and say, uh, send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers both the apostles and the elders to the brothers who are uh, of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having, control, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, all right, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it, ha it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from this, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And, and Judas and Silas who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. Father, we pray, Lord God, as we go through the scripture, that Christ will be exalted and your church, Lord God, will be uh, encouraged. Lord, we pray, uh, let, let the heartbeat of this prayer, Lord God, be this simple thing. That... Um, Whatever, Lord God, we are, we hear, whatever we understand, Lord, keep it, Lord God, not just in our minds, but transform our hearts. We thank you, Lord God, be honored, be magnified in Jesus' name. Amen. You may now be seated. All right, so, all right, at this point, 
At this point in Acts, the church is now 15 years old. Right. 15 years old now in church. And the message of the gospel has spread from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, and to the many regions of the Roman Empire. All right. So the message of the gospel has spread. Uh, it's a response to Jesus great commandment or great commission to go into all nations, right? So starting from Jerusalem, the gospel spread to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, uh, the Jews and the Gentiles, as well as the Samaritans, they have heard the gospel and many of them believed and they were baptized. Now, uh, for those of you who have just uh, first time who heard uh, Jews and Gentiles, if you are not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Alright? If, <laughs> if you're not a Gentile, you're a Jew. J the Jews, they are from Israel. Uh, Israel's. They are Israelites. They are uh, descendants of uh, Israel. Alright? So, we're all Gentiles here. Unless someone of you are Jewish. Alright? So, no one. We're all Gentiles here. So, thus... We can describe that the early church at this stage, right, as ethnically and culturally diverse. Yeah. So it was a mixture of businessmen, slaves, mixture of uh, government officials, soldiers, former rioters, former prostitutes, temple priests, those who like okra, <laughs> those who don't right? so it's already a mixture of culture and people right? it's, it's diverse and the Lord we know that the, the Lord added to their number day by day right? day by day those who were being saved as they go as they continue to devote themselves to word prayer, community and generosity and of course to preach the gospel. And as they devote themselves to faithfully preach the gospel, the Lord added to their numbers day by day. Right? So, now there were many great successes, of course. There were made many great successes in the advancement of God's kingdom wherever the apostles go preach Jesus. But there were also many uh, oppositions. Right? There are many oppositions. If you read the, uh, the book of Acts, there are persecutions here and there. There were conflicts. And we can see that any successful movement is never without issues. <laughs> Christianity is not an exception. Right? Any movement, any successful movement is never without issues. Including this church. We have issues. Uh, not not just from you know uh, as as we grow as we grow as church, as a church there grew alongside the, uh, that early church conflicts yeah. from within and from without for example persecution from without but it was through their prioritizing the most important namely the advancement of God's kingdom right through the preaching of the gospel through unity, of course, which entails humility, and commitment to the word for guidance and reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit that they were able to overcome these challenges. 
right? So th those are their trademarks. The commitment to the Word, their reliance in the Holy Spirit, their unity, their humility, their priority is to advance God's kingdom. That's why they were able to overcome those challenges. Now, the passage that we've read, right, in Acts chapter 15, it was a letter. Right? It was a letter that was produced by the leaders in Jerusalem in the year 49 AD. All right, during a gathering which is now known as the Jerusalem Council. So that's the Jerusalem Council. Present in this meeting, all right, were Peter, right, James, the half-brother of Jesus, who was the leader of the church during that time. You know, um, James, the brother of John, he was already killed. Stephen is also dead already. Right? And the rest of the apostles, including Paul and Barnabas. Now, I don't think Mitch was there. Because last week, he was in prison. <laughs> he was in prison last week. He was in continuity. <laughs> you were not expecting that. <laughs> so... So the church leader gathered, all right? The, the church leader gathered to consider a matter. And what was the reason? What's the, the, what's the problem? What's the reason why they gathered? In Acts chapter 15 verse 1, we're going to see the problem or the reason why they, um, they gathered together. Let's read. Verse 1 says here, But some men came down from Judea, and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Mm. You know, in Acts chapter 13 to 14, Paul and Barnabas, they were preaching the gospel to the Gentile regions. Huh? And after telling the, the, the gospel or after sharing the gospel to the Gentile regions, they went back to Antioch. They reported this great success to the church in Antioch. And then this man came. They were telling the Gentile believers, you need to be circumcised. Huh? These men were, uh, who, are, who were these men? These men were the party of the Pharisees in, uh, in verse 5. You'll see that in uh, Acts chapter 15 verse 5. You see, but some, men, some believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees. This is not the party that you go to. Uh, to, to no, it's not the party. It's a group of people. Okay. They are also called the circumcision party in Acts chapter 11 verse 2. And what they were teaching, no? they were teaching the Gentile believers that for them to legitimately and be completely saved, they need to believe in the Lord Jesus and, alright, they need to believe in the Lord Jesus and follow the law of Moses. That's very subtle, right? If you want to be saved, believe in the Lord Jesus and follow the rules. That's very subtle. If you don't know your Bible, you'll somehow be dragged by this false teaching. So they were saying that aside from your faith in the Lord Jesus, you are also obligated to be circumcised. 
and observe the Jewish ceremonial laws and customs. Right? They teach a false doctrine of salvation, which is a combination of God's grace and human works. So imagine me telling Samuel, no? Samuel, unless you eat meat <laughs> and cheese with honey, all right, unless you, <laughs> you will never be part of the church. All right? Or imagine Regan telling me, Kujin, unless you speak Swahili or Lugandan or you have a Ugandan passport, you don't deserve to be part of our small group. That's what they were teaching during that time. There's, there's, uh, there's another requirement. There's a, an additional requirement. This was a major issue. There was a, uh, this was a major problem because it threatened the very foundation of the Christian belief. Right? So it's very serious. And just a footnote, no? since the church is only 15 years old during this time, well, the Gospels, the Epistles, the letters, they were not yet written during this time. The first Gospel was written Mark. Uh, the Mark, Mark was the first Gospel. Um, probably a few years, no, just a couple of years, during, uh, after this uh, gathering, Galatians was uh, written. But during this time, they don't have the New Testament yet. What they have is the Hebrew Scripture or the Old Testament, their testimony of the resurrected Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and of course, they have one another. Right? So, how, how was this a major problem? How was this a major problem? Number one, uh, just two, two reasons, or maybe three, depending on how you count. Right? Two, two reasons. Two reasons why this is a major problem. Number one, it contradicts the Scripture. It contradicts the teaching of Scripture that salvation is only through the Messiah. Right? So, it contradicts the Scripture and it denies the person and the saving work of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 to 6, for example, we'll look at Old Testament. It says here, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Right? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the sins of the people has, laid, has been laid on the Messiah. So the Messiah is the only way for us to, for our sins to be forgiven. And they were teaching that, no, it's not enough. Still have to do this. Right? Another one. You know this, John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only one. He's the only way. Jesus is the only way. So, what they were teaching first is the, it contradicts the scripture that salvation is only through Christ. And they were denying that Jesus is the Messiah. They are trying to invalidate 
the person of Jesus Christ. They were saying, okay, this guy who was killed, who was crucified, who was crucified, who resurrected, doesn't matter. Or it matters, but it's not enough. Second reason, it contradicts the teaching of the scripture. <laughs> right? That salvation is for all people. Oh, two things. Salvation is only through the Messiah. And salvation is for all people. And this false teaching that they were telling the, people, uh, the, the Gentiles, they were putting a roadblock for them to receive salvation. They were putting a roadblock. And uh, what does the Old Testament say? It says here, uh, Isaiah chapter 45 verse 22. Turn to me and be saved, what? All the ends of the earth. For I am God, there's no other. So, even before, you know, the Gospels, even before this Acts, even before the, peop uh, the, the apostles were teaching to the ends of the earth, it was all part of God's plan. That all the ends of the earth, or all people, need to hear the Gospel. Psalms 86.9 all the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. So they were teaching a false doctrine that contradicts scripture. Denying the Messiah and putting a roadblock to the Gentiles. So these Pharisees, they were adding a requirement to what the Lord Jesus has already declared. What? It is finished. It is finished. It's complete. Why do you have to add something else? Right? You know, later in Paul's letter in the Galatians, you know, we, we can uh, go there. He calls these people false brothers. They were Judaizers. Let's go there. Just to give us a little bit of context here. Galatians chapter 2. verse 1 to 5 he was telling his uh, he was telling the Galatians through this letter about his experience in Acts chapter 15 it says there then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas taking Titus along with me so Titus was also with them I went up because of a revelation and set before them though privately before those who seemed influential the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Right? Yet because of what? False brothers. These false brothers secretly brought in who slip in to spy out our freedom Right? that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. To them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be what? Preserved for you. So Paul was telling, this uh, was telling the Galatians, these Judaizers, they are false brothers. They were fake brothers. So what was the uh, the apostles' response. Let's go back to Acts chapter 15. What was the apostles' response? So this is the problem. What are we going to do? 
or what does the word says? Acts chapter 15, verse 7. I like this a little bit of Bible study. Na? How many of you are enjoying? And I hope you don't sleep. Verse 7. And after there had been much debate, there was a great debate, no? There was a discussion among the leaders. Peter stood up and said to them, Peter, always the first one to stand, to stand and speak, uh, knowing him. Brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the gospel, the word of the gospel and believe. You remember when Jesus asked his disciples, right, in, uh, in Caesarea, he was, he was asking his disciples, who do people say I am? Who do people say I am? And Peter, he was the first one to, to stand and tell Jesus, you are, the son, uh, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what was Jesus' response? He responded by saying, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right? I give you the keys to the kingdom. So some, some scholars, they say, this is no longer in my, my notes, but some scholars say that the keys, the key that Jesus gave to uh, Peter is the preaching of the gospel first to the Jews and also to the Gentiles. Peter was the first one to preach to the Jews during the Pentecost. He was also the first one to preach to the Gentiles to whom? Cornelius. So he opened the, the gates for the kingdom. So he was the first one. He was telling the, the brothers, I, I, God chose me to preach the gospel both to Jews and to the Gentiles. And God, verse 8, and God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. Alright? They were no different. They, exper they experienced the same thing that we experienced. And he made no distinction between us and them. Now, uh, sorry, and he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by what? Faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe, what? We believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Right? Yeah, go ahead. Clap. I mean, praise the Lord, no? You know, what Peter meant when he said this was that salvation is by God's grace, not by human works. Right? Do you agree? Salvation is by God's grace, not by human works. And it is for everyone. The gospel, no, it doesn't show favoritism. God doesn't show favoritism. He saves whoever believes. John 3.16, right? John 3.16. He does not discriminate. And for, so for someone to be part of the church, it will not be based on your gender. It will not be based on your age. Thank goodness. No? Not, <laughs> it will not be based on ethnicity. Oh, look around. No? We're mixed here. It, it will not be based on social status. 
your political view, your brand preference, Android or iPhone. Everyone, everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus, no? It is by God's grace alone. Thank goodness, no? Thank goodness for that. So what Peter was telling the other leaders was that Christ's work was enough. Christ's work was enough to save both the Jew and the Gentile. So, here's my question. Is Christ enough for you? Is Christ enough for you? Or are you still trying to put a burden on yourself now thinking that by going here in the church or by getting involved in the ministry or by trying your best to be a good person, you will earn God's favor. Is Christ enough for you? Or maybe you're not the one, you're not putting the burden on yourself, but you're the one putting on others the burden. No? You're requiring them to do certain things or uh, to be someone else so that they can fit in the church. Of course, I hope not. No? You know, if you, uh, I, I just love to warn you, you know, out of love. If you hear someone, if you hear anyone preach a gospel or preach a salvation that is not by grace, don't listen to that person. Right? Don't listen to that person. If he's telling you that it's not through faith alone, it's not through Christ alone, you run away. Don't listen to that, even if it's Mitch preaching. Yes. Or Anthony, or myself, <laughs> or, I, <laughs> or myself, or anyone. Don't listen, alright? Don't accept that teaching. You know, you know what Paul said? You know what Paul said? If there's anyone who teaches another gospel, let that person be accursed. He was essentially saying, let that person go to hell. We are not preaching a gospel here that is different from what is the, the scripture is telling us. Right? So don't listen. Don't accept that teaching. And don't please don't share that you know, on Facebook. That doctrine. No? <laughs> So, R.C. Sproul said, the only works of righteousness that will ever justify us are the works of Christ. Uh, the only works of righteousness that will ever justify a sinner like us uh, are the works of Christ. Amen. His work on the cross. Right? So, salvation is by grace alone. Through faith alone, in Christ alone, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Right? So this is how Christianity is different from all other world religions. The other religions say, do. Christianity says, done. Right? It's done. It's done. So in verse 12, let's, let's move now. I still have 10 minutes. Okay. Ten minutes. Okay. And one. And. All right. Verse twelve. All right. Let's verse twelve. Now, after Paul, oh, let me. After Paul and Barnabas describe what God had done in verse twelve to eighteen, right? 
So James, the leader of the church, he stood up, he spoke, right, and he showed them the scripture in Amos, chapter 9, verse 11 to 12, that this was all part of God's plan, right? That salvation of all and salvation through the Messiah is, it was part of God's plan. That salvation of both Jews was planned long time, for a long time. I mean, uh, it was planned a long time ago by God. It was not only Peter's experience, but it was actually the testimony of the scripture. Uh, that's the basis of their decision, the scripture. Let me, let me just share to you. Uh, actually, this uh, preaching version is version 2. Uh, I, I revised this preaching because it, uh, somehow it sounded like I was preaching to leaders, just leaders. But uh, let me just share to you a few um, leadership lessons from here. The one leadership lesson from this Jerusalem Council was that the primary basis of their decision making is the scripture. Right? The primary basis of their decision making is the scripture. Um, second, all decisions that, that we make as a church will either advance God's kingdom or push people away from God's kingdom. Very important. And the church, right, should by no means put a roadblock to those who are called to workplace ministry or community outreach, right? So if you're, you know, if you are called in your workplaces, we will not ask you to, let's go full time. Because that's the only way you can serve God, right? No, go ahead, preach the gospel there in your workplaces. We will let you live and serve God and demonstrate the gospel wherever you are. So, yeah. Do you want a joke? (laughs) No, actually, I won't tell you a joke, no. That the official drink of the Jerusalem Council was coffee. Because they were all Hebrews. <laughs> so anyway, so now let's move. Let's now let's now move from doctrine to ethics. Now that we've figured out the doctrine, which is salvation is only through the Messiah, and it's for all people. Let's move now to practice, right? After figuring out this doctrine together, what did the apostles? Do or what did the church leaders' resolution? Because you know it's very important that we get the doctrine right. Otherwise, the application will be wrong. All right. So we're, we're we'll just move, and we're answering now the second question: How is this important to the church and also to the rest of the world? So what's the resolution? Acts 15 verses 19 to 20. Therefore, this is James speaking, therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. So therefore, says there, signifies a turning point. How are we going to put this into action? Therefore, this one. Okay? So we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. So in other words, 
Let them enjoy their freedom in Christ as Gentiles. Right? We will not require them to be converted, to be converted to Judaism or to be to be Jews. Let them remain as they are. Right? So you see, this resolution they enabled the Gentiles to remain in their communities, thereby allowing them to witness to their fellow Gentiles. Right? That's a very good uh, decision, no? So, example, no? We will not ask Reagan, Samuel, or Stewart to become Filipinos. Of course, we will not, because the church is for everyone. Right? And as a result, they can, without burden, they can now invite their fellow Ugandans to the church. Same thing with the Kenyans, right? Maureen? Same thing with our Bahraini friends, no? The church is for everyone. Yeah. Uh, because the gospel is for everyone. Yeah. So there's another word here, abstain. I thought, I thought Christ is enough. I thought we're not going to do anything else. Why abstain? <laughs> Did you see that, the word abstain? How come that there's this word abstain? Now, but you see, the idea of abstain here is this, listen. It is to turn away from something in order for you to have an intimate relationship with someone. Alright? Let me, let me say that again. The idea here is to turn away from something to have an intimate relationship with someone. Or to give up something so that you can walk with someone in peace. No? When you get married, and when you get married, you're going to give up a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just explaining. Huh? Listen. Huh? You're going to give up a lot of things so that you can enjoy your relationship with your spouse. Right? I mean, things... Listen, listen. Things that go, go get in the way of your relationship. 25 hours of Netflix. Or 26 hours of mobile games. Abstain. So that's abstaining. You turn away from something so that you can walk away. You walk with someone. So where, uh, where, are, we, where are they abstaining from? Things polluted by idols, sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled and from blood. So these three, these three exceptions, they call it three exceptions. Practicing idolatry, sexual immorality, eating of what is strangled of blood. They were pagan practices that offend Jews. Get it? It offends the Jews or they, they offend, these three offend the Jews. So in forbidding the Gentiles believers to practice these things, the leaders of the church removed the possible cause of hostility against those two. Right? So meaning the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians will now be able to live in peace with one another. That's what the gospel does. That's what the gospel does. It unites the church. It's not just bring in people from other nations, but since we are differently, uh, we are culturally diverse, the gospel is uniting us. It's not putting a block, a roadblock between us. I mean, isn't the gospel the most encouraging message of all? 
So now let's read again. Uh, I'll be uh, uh, ending now in a few minutes. Can I ask music team? Verse 22. Let's now read. Now this makes sense. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers, both the, uh, the apostles and the elders. To the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, Unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instruction, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden, burden than these requirements. I mean, this letter is also for us. That you have... was a business letter. And it was meant to be a circular, circular letter to be read to various congregations. That's why I read it to you also. So three things before we, we end. The letter addressed the issue of unauthorized men teaching false doctrines by sending men from among them who will teach the believers the pure gospel. Second, the letter imparted to the readers how the church leaders came up with the uh, resolution. How? Through unity and partnership with the Holy Spirit. And, of course, the letter, which was good news. to its hearers than the gospel. That is why the gospel...